is the first episode of Politalk, an idea that I came to you, Michael, my co-host of this podcast. Um, I came to him with it because I thought, in light of how insane the last year and a half and then um, the election has been, especially with how we talk to each other and how we learn information, was so... um, not only bizarre, but almost like unfairly cruel and uneven in terms of what's real and what's fake and what's bias and what's, um, you know, um, what's what I'm looking for, um, lobbyists, you know what I mean? Like a, a lobbying statement. Um, and, and it, I felt like it was important that we had, um, a discussion amongst ourselves about what's factual actual real information biased to an extent but more moderate as we can possibly be from both sides and make sure that we're we're, um, bringing an evolution to this current social um landscape landscape. yeah yeah the vitriol in the political discourse has has really gotten to a fever pitch uh it's funny so um we are recording the day after the day after Thanksgiving. And yeah. so um, my uh, my family always has Thanksgiving. And then because we're a big Italian family and we can't gauge the amount of food that's required for any one gathering, <laughs> um, there's always Thanksgiving leftovers the next day. So uh, the, the conversation last night, because mm-hmm. there was uh, an unspoken no politics <laughs> rule for <laughs> actual Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, the conversation did uh, navigate towards politics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm thankful for, uh-huh. uh, pardon the pun, is that no topic of conversation has ever really been off limits in my my family. Uh we can we can talk at length very heatedly about all sorts of conver- uh, you know top, uh, topics or conversations that I guess other people would think of as hot buttons uh-huh. um, you know the uh, uh, the holy trinity as they say you know, right. we talk about politics religion or finances and right. we talk about all of that all the time <laughs> at length um, so and one of the things that I think is healthy uh, for for having those types of conversations is that it's an opportunity to to learn every conversation I feel, especially about politics is an opportunity to learn because you have people, I, most of, most of my family comes from a, uh, from a conservative ideology. I would say that in fiscal matters, I'm probably more of a fiscal conservative. I Mm -hmm. am what I also refer to myself as a reformed Republican. So I'm no longer a Republican. Okay. Um, well, in terms of the very strict sense, and yeah. In terms of is. right, like right now, I'm I'm uh, I'm registered independent. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, I was registered Republican for a long time. Um, the party sort of moved away from me. Uh-huh. Um, not even necessarily in terms of fiscal ideology, but in in terms of a lot of other uh, political topics that I consider to be intentionally distractions okay um or or unintentionally things that people feel very strongly about like abortion right, right. abortion is Have abortion is the classic uh hot button issue and and the really there really isn't a, a strict right or wrong answer there's there's all sorts of nuance along those sure. types of topics and no one honestly no president since it's been 
um, abortion has been legalized, no one's actually made an effort to counter it. Um, they say they will, but they don't really ever. Right. I mean, you know, and that's the point I always try to make is that that's a platform that they stand on because they know they will have the vote of those people and their intentions to actually do something about it. Maybe unless it was someone like a Ted Cruz, who I feel actually probably would try to. Mostly, I don't think they really... There's bigger concerns at the table than talking about things like that. Like, those are talking points for election and not for what they actually will do. Yeah, and and I, I completely agree. And I think this... This election, this feels like an appropriate transition into talking about the last 18 months. Um, This election was such a mind bender. Mm -hmm. Um, When you when you talk about not even just the the sort of the topic du jour Mm -hmm. um, or obviously the importance of the economy and, Mm -hmm. you know, coming out of the recession and, and what that means and you know, economic indicators and, and, and data mm-hmm. seem to take a back seat to this very hyperbolic uh, talking points um, on both sides, mm-hmm. uh, frankly. And I think one of the interesting takeaways this year, um, or like I said, the last two with, during this election cycle, mm-hmm. has been that, uh, you know, I know a lot of comedians have said it in sort of a, uh, a joking way, but it really is true. We, it feels like we're in a post-facts yes. conversation right? Yeah. Uh, where the actual detail doesn't really matter. The data mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, when we're talking about whether or not uh, you know the Obama administration is uh, is a success when you look at economic indicators. Almost all of them support that that thesis. Yeah, right. that, that it's that it has been successful. That the administration's policies have been successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are also significant problems with um, certain aspe- uh, aspects of that, uh, like the number of people that we have um, on welfare and receiving uh, benefits and things like that has sure. dramatically increased. Um, it's uh-huh. started to to level off. It's it's finding a uh, um, it's finding sort of a plateau. Right. But it is trending upward, and that's a concern for a number of reasons. Right. Um, people are you, still not finding work for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and you find. In these pockets of the population, uh, particularly in uh, rural, quote unquote, classic, um, you know, working class white America, mm-hmm. um, where the opportunities to move from uh, from the working class to the traditional middle class have evaporated in a lot of instances. I mean, you know, manufacturing was an easy way to get a union job that would that would require you know that would require your employer to pay you a uh you know what they say a, a livable wage right mm-hmm. um not necessarily that you're living in a golden palace um uh but you're able to live comfortably and and work through life you know with your uh you know 2.5 kids and the dog and right uh, and that's with, sort of with the means to put money away as opposed to having zero at the end of the day. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, you know, we find a significant portion of the population that is 
living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, people who are putting in 40, 50, 60 hours a week, um, working multiple jobs, working, uh, you know, a full-time job with often one or two part-time jobs or, you know, uh, chaining together, uh, multiple part-time jobs and, and, and still only just staying afloat, not even really feeling comfortable. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the things that the, you know, that the, the support behind Trump uh, has has shown us sort of objectively is that that portion of the population that largely feels like nobody's ever talking to them, mm-hmm. um, certainly within the last 15, if not 20 years, mm-hmm. um, but even more so you could stretch it really into um, the true demise of, of manufacturing in the 80s. Right. Uh, you see these people who... Uh, you know they they feel very strongly um you know a, a, a sense of honor um right. and when they've been ne- neglected largely by the left mm-hmm. um they lashed out right. uh you know you you find a, a significant group of people who are looking for change and not necessarily caring Care- about where right. it comes from right right um and you know the the impact from the from the election i think shows you know you saw even though the data supports, like I said, you know, in terms of economic indicators, that the policy uh, and action of this administration has largely brought the uh, uh, the country in a positive direction, with right. pockets of uh, uh, of negative effects or right. less than positive effects. Right. Um, um, to bring it to layman's terms, the way I have, I've understood it, because you know, um, the fun part about politics and uh, um, economics is that they use words that um, are purposefully not misleading but hard to understand. Sure. So um, they make you feel like the the people who are in those jobs are the only people who can do those jobs. Um, and uh, once you understand what they mean, it just it's, a, it's another big word for a very simple thing. And um, to me, what what um, the administration that we have now has done for the last eight years is we were in a very steep decline in recession. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you were on a hill and a giant ball of snow was rolling towards you um, and you stuck your feet in the ground and then tried to stop the snowball from moving, um, you're going to fall backwards a little bit. But I think what this administration has done is done a good job of actually stopping it from rolling down the hill. Mm-hmm. And maybe gained a little traction and to start going back up in the other direction. Yeah, I, I there are a lot of instances to do, and you, you talk about um, sort of the language that's that's used, mm-hmm. uh, and I language is my business. Right, I, right, I right. work in uh, in communications and marketing, and, mm-hmm. and so language is very important to me. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about finances, or you're talking about uh, anything that's sufficiently complex, um, like uh, healthcare, right? Right. You know, right. you're talking about specific uh, disease cases or what have you. There's a certain amount of specificity that's required for those types of conversations, mm-hmm. and that's why I think you have this wealth of very specific words um, to to describe things that are, like you mentioned, at their base, pretty standard they're right. they're simple but it's the it's the nuance it's those details that sell the story right? sure yeah um yeah yeah it's it, it it's interesting to look though and like you you said um 
he this administration, not just him, the uh-huh. the, the, the full whole weight of the government, right. inherited a colossal mess mm-hmm. um, after uh, after the fall. And it's easier to forget that after eight years, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and, and uh, to to think that well, it's been you know it's eight years, it's almost a decade. Right? Are we still talking about this? Yeah, we're still talking. Yeah. You know, we're still feeling the impacts mm-hmm. of it, um, and and that is profound uh when we're talking about the you know his cutting the deficit not the debt mm-hmm. that's an important difference mm-hmm. so um when we're when we're talking about the debt the debt has ballooned under this administration mm-hmm. largely in order to stem the bleeding from uh from the recession and we've seen um we've seen growth in the last, as of this recording, the last time I, I checked, I believe the last at least five or six quarters, mm-hmm. we've seen consistent growth in, in job and... and uh, right. So what, um, under my rudimentary understanding of debt and deficit, is what you mean is we still accrued debt, yeah. but the amount of debt we recru- accrued versus what we gained is much smaller than it had been before. Yeah, so the the, the easy way to look at the difference mm-hmm. between debt and de- and deficit is um, if you think about uh, think about a chest, mm-hmm. right? So think about a chest, the chest has has a defined amount of space, right? Right? So every year we have a chest of money mm-hmm. that we have to uh, th- that we have to use to spend on whatever the government right, is to spending allocate on. our funds from. Right. So that goes to military, it goes to entitlements, it goes to uh, all of anything that's policy driven that requires funds from the government. Right. So think about that. That's the deficit, right? This uh-huh. is just, it, or it's the budget rather. Right. So if there's not enough money in that chest to spend to do all the things that the government wants to do, mm-hmm. we need additional funds, right? So we're borrowing money from other folks, other governments mm-hmm. to make up the difference between what we're going to spend and what we actually have. And the difference between that is the deficit. Right. Um, they talk about a surplus in the end of the Clinton administration. That didn't mean that we didn't have any debt. We still had a tremendous amount of debt after the, at the end of the Clinton administration. Um, but the amount of money that we had every year to use on the budget and the amount of money that the budget cost was was different right so right. we had we had it after everything was spent on um excuse me after everything was spent on all the line items that the government wanted to spend there was money left over that could be used to pay down the debt right and that's what we want we you don't want a tremendous amount of surplus because then it, you get into inflation and it gets more convoluted but if you uh-huh. think about it uh like this you have that chest it's a certain amount of money mm-hmm. if you need more money to fill the chest to make up the budget, then that's that's the deficit. So if you if you put all the money you're going to spend in the the chest and then you pour it out at the end of the year, that's mm-hmm. the money that you're borrowing. Mm-hmm. The big pile after you get to two or three, five, ten years afterwards, that's the debt. The pile next to the bucket. I got, I got you. Right. And so eventually, <laughs> you want to be able to take some shekels off that pile and give them back to the people that you've borrowed them from right. and pay down the debt. Uh, and you do that by by reducing the deficit. This administration, when you started the beginning of the administration to this fiscal year, mm-hmm. 
has cut the deficit by almost two thirds, which is outrageous. Okay, um, considering the amount of money that was required uh, from essentially 2000, uh, 2007 to two thousand nine mm-hmm. to make sure that we didn't end up in a nineteen twenty nine stock market crash type situation. People jumping uh, out of buildings. Y- and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is profound, right. uh, and and to look at the amount of money. That was required to make sure that we didn't end up in another Great Depression is mm-hmm. terrifying. Right. Um, and to know that we came that close to the precipice and now we are very much moving in the right direction right. to being Rounded able to... the curve. Yeah, because yeah. the, the debt that our country carries is a huge liability. Um, what is it at right now? Is it like $19 trillion, I believe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, which is an ungodly amount of yeah, money. Yeah, I can't uh, fathom it. It's you say nineteen trillion, you're like okay, and then I can't picture how many zeros that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and and what that means is it it opens it, it opens us up uh, to you know, most of that money is borrowed from China. If right. China decided that they didn't agree with a policy that we were taking on the world stage or or. Uh, whatever, all they have to do is recall some of that debt, mm-hmm. and right. all of a sudden, right. two weeks from then, there's no milk in the store, right? Because right. credit crashes, and then we then we're which, in a problem. Um, and we'll talk about this in a couple of minutes, which goes back to um, the Trump's plan about the TTP mm-hmm. and um, and all that stuff, like those uh, policies that I think. And and to your point was that. Um, he, Trump was an outsider looking in at these policies, and I think because he was, quote unquote, a successful businessman, and we'll get into that later, mm-hmm. um, thinking he understood the nuances of how the country's finances would work, but not knowing that that it goes beyond just how the finances work. It goes more towards your direct ties to these other nations. The things that you do with that, that cause flux with these other countries could, especially with how delicate our situation is, mess everything up. Yeah. Especially with China. Because he's not been, um, especially socially, he's not been very kind to that country. So You could have stopped that sentence after you said he hasn't been, been very, very kind. kind. Right. All right, so for a, a good segue here is um, if we if we take a, a time machine, if you will, and look back, um, first the GOP at the start of the the nomination process um, was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen because what was there twenty two candidates running for the the nomination from the party to be president. I, I don't recall the exact number, but it, but it was, was way more people on a stage than you would anticipate. There are debates. Like, uh, there was a real complaint about the candidates not having time to speak, and that was because they, between an hour, they only had about two minutes for each person to say, like, one thing. And he just couldn't cover it, um, which served, I think, Donald, because Donald said outlandish things. No one could check him on it, and then... Um, and here we are a whole year and a half later. Um, and what always bothered me was that um, the media's not misrepresentation, because I think the media did a really good job, by and large, to make sure that we knew that this man, um, even though we're putting him in center focus, is not what he says he is. Yet people didn't care, and and the the problem was I think the media did itself a disservice by keep throughout this year and a half by kept on poking him to the point where now 
a lot of people who may not have been as informed or aware of what was actually being checked of him saw that as just, well, they're doing everything they can to get rid of him. This is the guy who needs my vote, which is another reason why Bernie Sanders kind of jumped up right behind Hillary Clinton because they saw the same thing happening on both sides. Yeah, um, that's that's right on the money. Uh, And I think one of the things that's interesting... um, to point out in terms of that reaction, specifically um, on the right, but we definitely saw it on the left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sort of conspiracy theory tinge to mm-hmm. politics that hasn't this and, and life in general, right? That hasn't necessarily existed at least at this. Again, uh, to use the to same the word, fever pitch. It's right. unbelievable. Well, the problem is, is I think. Um, I don't. If you told me that the government did something conspiracy-wise, I wouldn't be all that shocked. That's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Not that this is true. That like the nine eleven was actually an inside job by the Bush administration. Like, if that had come out, I wouldn't be surprised. Not because I, I expect it to happen, but because just with the, the the assumed corruption that seems to be placed upon all of DC. Um, is at such a high pitch that it wouldn't be shocking to hear something completely outlandish be true. Yeah, there's there's a general distrust mm-hmm. for or mistrust rather for the government, and that's earned mm-hmm. um, to a large degree. But also, um, when you when you talk about again specifically the right, you have uh, you have right wing uh, radio show hosts that have a tremendous amount of listeners who have been, uh, and then also, uh, you know, Fox news for the last Mm -hmm. almost two decades, you have, you have a tremendous viewership there and they've been told for the last between, uh, TV and radio respectively, two Mm -hmm. or three decades that you can't trust the mainstream media and, Mm -hmm. and them being mainstream media. Yeah. Which is the irony of the whole thing. Right. Um, so there's, you know, like I said, we're living in sort of a fact-free mm-hmm. environment. And uh, it's it's scary because we have so many opportunities to find information um, that there's no way to, to vet it right. appropriately. Um, Every and- newspaper on the planet is in your pocket. Essentially, yeah, yeah. You, you mean you you have access to the collected knowledge of the human experience in this teeny tiny little device that you put in your back pocket, and mm-hmm. um, there's not an easy way to curate that mm-hmm. for yourself. An easy way to sort of filter through and make sure that you know what is real and what isn't, because it's we're inherently looking for things to validate the beliefs that we already have. Let me see if my point is true by asking if my point is true. Right. So this website, even though it's a blog by a guy I've never heard of who has no credentials and, Mm -hmm. and, but he's saying something that I agree with. So I'm more likely to take that as Mm -hmm. valid as compared to an article from a well-respected newspaper Mm -hmm. that has you know journalists that are on the payroll that that's their job to research these things for a living but they don't agree with me mm-hmm. so they must be bullshitting me right or you like you said you you know we have uh the quote unquote media machine were churning through fact checking uh the things that that have been said throughout the uh you know throughout the 
the election cycle, uh, the vast majority were talking about fact-checking Donald Trump. It wasn't because they were picking on him. Right. It was because he was saying things that aren't so. Right. And it's, you know, it, it's not like... Um, you know, there's a uh, there's a persecution complex that mm-hmm. sort of exists on, uh, and it and both parties um, I think fall victim to that. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue the right more so than the left, but um, you 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 see uh, you see people who ra- rather than seeing something that is maybe not congruent with what they believe, but has data to support it. Um, they they rather than taking that information and being like well maybe maybe i'm wrong right. maybe i should take this information and use it to change the way that i believe because this is supported in Adjust some way your path accordingly right yeah. other you know but instead of doing that you have a lot of people who 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 dig in mm-hmm. um, right and, and only the more weight of information the deeper their heels get in the sand. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and that's unfortunate. And, and so you have a situation where, um, that sort of bunker down mentality is looked at as a virtue in, mm-hmm. in politics, people who won't admit when right. they're wrong. A and sense Donald of loyalty Trump, almost. Yeah. And, and Trump personifies that. Sure. Um, and I, you know, what was really interesting that I think fed the beast a little bit was that the media was on him and then, as he kept on pulling away in the polls, respectfully so, I don't think enough of them did it, but um, the the GOP essentially shunned Donald. They sure. were like, you know what? No, this he doesn't represent anything um, fringe right or otherwise that any of us believe in. Um, he's not our candidate. Um, and I think a lot of people who may have been strictly in the middle at that moment was like, the Republicans don't even like him. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why the people I think are crazy don't like the guy who's crazy. Yeah. And, and I think that played a huge role into the push that got him right in in the primary. Not to say that Ted Cruz was any better, but um, certainly in terms of just the kind of um, vitriol he received from his own party was almost a validation of everything he had been saying about government. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. And you saw the same, not necessarily to the same extent, obviously, or else we would have seen a a Sanders run truly for the presidency as the nominee. Right. Um, But you saw saw that uh, on on the left as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There was... There was a wholesale push away from establishment candidates, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily because the data supported that, mm-hmm. but because people on both the right and the left have been told that things are shitty mm-hmm. um, and that the current uh, the, the current path isn't working, even right. though a lot of instances are showing that that's not the case. Not the case, right. Um, and, and we have the big button issues, which are like... Um, uh, the student deficit for loans mm-hmm. and healthcare, and if you get anybody to talk about that, and it, true or otherwise, which is, is very important that when someone says something, you have to make sure you can see the policy of what they mean. So, like when Bernie Sanders, now I, I actually believe that he would have tried to put something in play for um, student loans and healthcare, but if you wanted to know, like he kept on saying that, if there's another candidate that kept on saying that, you have to look at. Um, what their idea is to do that. Because anybody can say anything, and I think that was a problem with Donald. He kept on saying things 
and everybody was like, yeah, solid gold. And then you, they said, okay, how would you do that? And then he just roundaboutly never said how he would do it, and no one cared. Yeah, the devil's in the details, right? right? And you saw that in the third-party candidates as well. Right. Um, I'm not Donald. Vote for me. And Gary Johnson is a lunatic, and quite frankly, so is Jill Stein, you know, if you're yeah. going to heal somebody with crystals. And, you know, not to say if you believe that, whatever, but I think you need a more... I'm um, saying that. <laughs> you need a more grounded human being to run the nation. They need to represent everybody, not just these fringe thoughts of um, radicalism in any direction. Yeah, and the details and the minutia right. aren't sexy. Right? right, right, yeah. The, you know, the big sound bites, that's, that's where people latch on and they just mm-hmm. sort of assume that he's going to find a way or the candidate who is saying these big exclamatory things mm-hmm. is going to has a plan right mm-hmm. and and there were a lot of instances where he talked like ISIS right right talk, we'll Which, shift to uh, that for a moment uh, uh, it, it just to to just fact check the general broad there is no evidence to support and not even to support a thesis or a theory that the Obama administration is responsible for founding ISIS in other countries. I disagree. You do? He obviously went there. Clearly, <laughs> this this organization that existed nearly a decade prior to him becoming president, he was there in the caves, right, creating right. this organization. Like, it's so it's so far removed from reality right. that um, sometimes I see these things and and the, you know they're said, and I I myself blow it off because I'm like no rationally thinking human being can hear that mm-hmm. and think that that is something to right. latch onto right. and and yet they do oh my gosh in droves right. um and then you see uh uh there was a, a hilarious and terrifying um segment on the daily show during uh-huh. the summer um where the one correspondent whose name escapes me goes and interviews different uh uh, supporters at both the uh, oh yeah the Trump and rally. I, think and I even know where you're going with it. Yeah, the guy who was wondering why Obama wasn't in the White House on 9/11, right? Because he, was he wasn't Chicago. president. Right. He was in Chicago running Illinois. It's unbelievable right. to me. Unbelievable to me. Well, uh, that's what I mean. It's like um, you say you can say whatever you want, and if it lines with the thought of that you have. You can grasp it and be like, well, that guy said it on TV. It's good. Yeah. And and another thing, too, you know, like I said, details aren't sexy. Right. So nobody gives a shit. Right. Right. Um, it's easy to latch on to concepts. Right. right? Uh, something that's big picture mm-hmm. and just assume that the details fall into place. And, and one of the things that we've seen um, on both sides, the right and the left, mm-hmm. is that, you know, going back to the, the beginning of our conversation, that people don't talk about politics mm-hmm. because it's frustrating and and you end up in fights a lot because you have different opinions right so people people and and on top of that people don't have the time to do the research i happen on my commute in the morning i'm on the train for over an hour mm-hmm. um you know on the way in i'll do work and prepare for my day and on the way out i'll listen to a podcast or i'll read an article or or whatever and, and keep myself Informed, or at least mm-hmm. I try to anyway. Mm-hmm. Now I've been reading a lot of things on pregnancy because my wife is having a baby. I know. In April. Congratulations. Thank you. Your, your, um, 
your sweet potato. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my child is the size of a sweet potato, which is appropriate for the Thanksgiving holiday, right? Um, but yeah, so life gets in the way. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's it's easy to fall into the trap of latching on to these high-level concepts because mm-hmm. you don't have, frankly, the time to dig into these things and, mm-hmm. and see that, you know... Which is why it's important to rely on certain news sources that are of um, reputable history, right? Right. Um, So, like, for instance, now, this is not my endorsement of these, but what I feel like if when I round out what I go for news, the Huffington Post, um, the Guardian, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and then I sprinkle Fox News for balance. So I'm getting the fringe idea and combating it with what I believe, even though most some of those seem to be a little more bipartisan than they should be. Um, at least I know that they're the companies that don't want to write a retraction. So their information before they put something out there typically is as accurate as it can be. Yeah, those those sources pretty much fall into my purview as well. The only one that I, that I don't necessarily... Um treat as a primary source usually i'll look to see what sources they have cited and then Mm -hmm. go and check those and i usually do that for anything right um i try and find at least two sources if not three and Mm -hmm. uh making sure that those are all saying it's probably true yeah Yeah. there's that there's uh, you know that there's some truth to it some Mm -hmm. nugget and you know really look at the data because the numbers don't lie people Mm -hmm. can manipulate numbers all they want and you can make them say whatever you want but Mm -hmm. you know the you know, the old joke about statistics, right? Right. Well, the, for instance, um, I have another podcast, if some of you are aware of it, and um, something that we liked doing to kind of make ourselves feel better is our listeners didn't get much higher than 200 the first couple of weeks. But um, that first week, we only had like 70. So we'd like to say that we had an increase of almost 300%, <laughs> which sounds like a gaudy number. But when you look at the actual sample size, well, that's not a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's yeah. The difference between eating a small bag of M and M's and a full one, you know, like it's not a lot, and that's why you have to be f- afraid of percentages, um, because it, you can make a percentage that doesn't even point your argument true. You can find a, a statistic in that to prove your point even yeah. if it's against your point yeah and um one of the things too that's really you know talking about um i mean there's there's sort of political literacy and, and science literacy mm-hmm. uh one of the things that is really easy to um to fall into the trap as well are when you see uh Good Morning America talk about a new study that says that, you know, drinking five glasses of wine a day is good for your heart. Mm -hmm. If you think about it for more than five seconds, that obviously doesn't make any sense. And if you look at this at the study, a lot of times they're, you know, they're using an incredibly small sample size or the result, though it 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 may point in that direction. It's not statistically significant, which spoiler alert, that means it doesn't matter. Right. Um, it, it just means doesn't that you have the time required to actually have a measurable difference. Yeah. In someone's um, life. It's, it's yeah. really, um, you know, those, those types of things, you know, they just sort of keep going back. The devil is in the details and right. really, um, right. making sure that, um, if you don't have the time to dig into those details, you have mm-hmm. to find a resource that you at least entrust to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a source that I entrust to do that type of digging is the New York Times or right. the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, those are you know those are instances where I feel like those people are doing their homework. Right. Um, well, the, to get those jobs to be a journalist, you need to be something special mm-hmm. in the first place. So that means that the people that are working for those places. Um, are like uh, if you've ever seen a movie about that starved journalist who just got to get out there and get that story, you know, imagine a building full of those people. Mm-hmm. That's what I, those companies are to me. The New York Times only hires Lois Lane. Right. I mean, that's that's <laughs> right. That, yeah, right. It's a whole building full of Clark and Lois, right. and they're all doing they're all doing the work that is supposed to be done. Right. Uh, with right. And, you know, obviously you have. The rule of ten, right? If there are more than ten people in a room, at least one of them is partially incompetent. Right, right. Um, you know, and that rule, that rule does exist, but incompetent at that level uh-huh. is not incompetent at the general right, level. Right. And sure, things slip through, and there are always problems. But you have to look at going back to a positive thing about percentages. You have to look at the percentage of stories that are factually inaccurate from any source, because there are some. Yeah. Well, you have to also look at, make, especially the New York Times, they, they have a, um, a lovely ability to um, have let their journalists post an opinion article. And it, they specifically say so in the beginning of the article, opinion. Um, it'll say opinion, colon, and then the rest, which means um, based upon the facts that I've read, here's what I think. Right. Which is a... It's a bias article, so you have to know where they're coming from. It's not a factual article that just gave you the news. It's a, yeah. It's it's the difference between Dan Rather and Bill O'Reilly. Right. Right. Um, and and I uh, I happen to think that that Bill O'Reilly as a, as a talking head, I disagree with him. Mm-hmm. But when he is actually reporting the news, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times the things that he's reporting are accurate. Mm-hmm. His interpretation of those things I don't agree with. Right. It isn't isn't necessarily supported by the data that he's presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there are facts there. It's depending on how you choose to interpret those facts that sure. is where that sort of nuance falls in. Um so to go from there, we, we see, I think, kind of the first quarter of what happened that got Donald um, up to where he was in this mess of candidates that really you could have thrown a rock and hit anyone better. Um, yeah. Uh, so when he, I'm looking longingly at Jeb Bush on right, the stage, right. it's a problem. It's a please clap. <laughs> like when he's pleading with his audience to just do just something, something to do something to You're show just that I have approval there. ratings. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so you see pretty much, and this is, it's always been an issue but through this election, it happened more, and I think this is why Trump was able to kind of um, skate through and Hillary at the at the same time. I'll say that they both kind of played on this because they knew they could. Mm-hmm. Um, Fact checking um, at our level had never really been our responsibility before. We always felt like, for the most part, we were an informed electorate because we trusted the sources that we were seeing. The problem is we're saturated with sources that are completely untrustworthy on our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like to do things that's that's like abc.com or no, abc.pu.com, like, which would be a completely different country. Uh, it's a different domain. Just because it has ABC in it does not mean that that's from 
the new news organization ABC. Or you have um, like uh, Occupy Democrats is a perfect example, right? right? It's I, completely fringe left. I uh, yeah. When you when you look at there's a there's a great meme that they they put out great in terms of an example of how mm. this sort of mm. distorts reality. Uh-huh. Um, there there is a meme that compares. Uh, the the end of the Bush administration and the various prices and and, and uh-huh. data that in sort of the points at which like uh, how much a gallon of gas was right, and right. like where the the Dow Industrial Average was and right. all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and compared to what was at the time um, where the numbers were in the Obama administration sometime mm-hmm. at the end of the summer uh-huh. um, and. The the Obama numbers are all from a fixed period of time, mm-hmm. and the Bush numbers are all over the place. They they cherry picked the right. worst numbers from specific loca- not necessarily even national averages from this area of the country or this area of the co- right. to find the things that that compare most negatively between the one and the other. When they didn't have to do that. Right. If you just look at the national averages overall from one point of time, the end of the the Bush administration, and any point in time from now, the, the last two quarters, mm-hmm. they all favor positively right. for the Obama administration. They're right? not, maybe they're not like, holy crap, look at that difference, but they are in the green as opposed to the... In the red, red, right. Right. Um, Or black, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But the problem is that those numbers, those smaller differences aren't Uh sexy enough. So then you start reaching. Right. And that's the problem. And I think um, instead of actively fighting against that, because they had to be aware that those were there... Um, they kind of just let them go. They're getting likes and comments right. and shares, and they're making money. Right. And um, you know, recently there were uh, there's been a, a fair amount of coverage on um, on fake news sites, and, and because I think they they realize that they played a very crucial role in the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and in I, the idiocracyification <laughs> right, of right. the electorate, which and uh, I don't want to insult people, but the gullibility level was very high, and I was faulty to a point at that too, because there were times where I saw something I strongly agreed with and shared it, to, and then found out later that that was not factual information. Uh, you know what? For for the level of for the number of filters that I try and put things through, I did it too. Right. We all did it. Right. Um. And anyone who spends more than ten minutes on Facebook a day likely did it at least one point during right. the last eighteen months. And, and the important thing, and I, I say this in, in in all walks of life, it's not the first thought that makes you who you are. It's the second one. Yeah. So if your first thought when you saw something is like, yeah, your second thought is when it's disproven to you, you still go, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. if, if if someone said no, that wait, that was fake. Um, your second thought shouldn't be like, yeah, well, it, you know, and and fight back. It should be, oh, let me readjust here. Let me see what actually, ha-. you know, like, yeah, um, no one. And, and it's there's interesting TED talks about it. No one admits they're wrong until they're wrong, um, until it's known well beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now I'm wrong. Crap, way too far in the hole. Got to dig myself back out. It's always not in the moment. In the moment, we defend ourselves very um, strictly. So it's a uh, it, 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 it's a unique problem because, especially on Facebook, it's very easy to dismiss another idea. Um, because if you post, it's intentionally easy. Yeah, um, you can post something that right or wrong doesn't matter. Someone can challenge it, 
and your thought is, I don't care what you think. Um, and where did you get your information? And where did you get your information? And no, the burden of proof is on you. No, the burden, you know, like it's, it goes back and forth. And I think what happened as it was down to two candidates aside in our election process for the nominees, um, they let those things play their roles. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing too, you know, um, going back to the primary for a moment, Mm -hmm. they, they whittled through the, the, the GOP in my estimation, the GOP primary season, um, whittled through folks until you got to the biggest voices. Mm-hmm. Right. And and they they were our, the biggest voices and John Kasich. <laughs> <laughs> um he he somehow made it to the final four as well mm-hmm. to use the, the parlance of basketball. And you know, to to think that John Kasich was actually of the three that were left was probably the most reliable choice is he's certainly the most experienced of the lot right. uh, i mean by by that point jeb had gone the way of the dodo mm-hmm. um you had ted cruz who was a tea party candidate and um really the darling of the right he is uh he, he's a conservative ideologue mm-hmm. um there are uh, which that we mean, you know, the problem with being an ideologue is a whole nother conversation entirely. But, right. um, you know, you had Ted Cruz who makes these big boisterous claims that mm-hmm. speaks directly to the base. The base loved him. Mm-hmm. Marco Rubio, people were looking at him as the, you know, the Hispanic Ronald Reagan. Then right. he was going to somehow unite the party. Spoiler alert. That didn't, didn't happen. Do that. Right. Um, and <laughs> Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, Donald Trump is not stupid. Right. Um, he knew exactly what he was doing, and mm-hmm. and one of the uh, one of the primary reasons why I think a lot of people who wouldn't ordinarily have been interested in politics fell behind him is because he was saying what in inherently by their very nature people who aren't interested in politics probably don't have a lot of love for the establishment because mm-hmm. the, the reason why they're not following it is because. They feel like whatever they're doing doesn't apply to me. Right. Right. So here's a new guy. He's all piss and vinegar. He's going to come in and he's going to drain the swamp. Right. We'll right. talk about how that didn't necessarily happen. But <laughs> that's what he was saying. Right. right. You know, he's, he's doing all these things. He's talking about how, you know, the establishment has been there for 10, 20, 30 years. Some of these different politicians. And mm-hmm. why haven't you done anything about these problems? Right. Not, you know, not realizing the complexity and all this solves that right right um but it's really easy to say those things because those are those are it's easy to get riled up when i think about the the safety of a mob behind you yeah why didn't you do that mm -hmm. yeah i mean when i think about um when i think about hillary clinton as a candidate hillary clinton was a bad candidate right i mean and um you know are there wrapped in the idea that the female could be elected president and i think so did the dnc uh Um, yeah yeah, uh, it's not not even really thinking. Was that the female we we put forward? Yeah, um, there was. I in my in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, identity politics hijacked the campaign on the left, mm-hmm. um, and left the the only person talking about the economy was Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and anyone who cared about the economy but what wasn't necessarily someone who gets hip deep in the details which mm-hmm. is most people mm-hmm. like i said because you either don't have time or there is uh there is a sort of um 
and and hopefully and uh, we'll cover that before we go a little of what happens in the economy and and certain um small parts of of what they we do with um trading and money yeah um and to help put you at maybe not waist level but maybe you got your ankles in now in a better position right for sure um you know to to be able to wade in the water a bit Mm -hmm. uh, because it is it it does get complex but there are ways Mm -hmm. there are ways to to think about it sort of you know rudimentary exactly even um so uh, and to that point now we got down and um i think what really hurt because i honestly actually think and to the point of uh, and we'll cover this in the last quarter of this um, Hillary may have successfully gotten the election in her own right, and we'll touch that later. But I think she would have been much better had the DNC's hacks not happened, mm-hmm. um, because she was charged with having her own private server, um, something that could carry the weight of espionage in terms of what you could charge her with. Um, and uh, now just a quick clarification: she wasn't charged. No, no, I'm saying something that could be okay. Got could it. Yeah, be yeah. considered a charge of espionage. Sure, but that and and here again, the devil's in the details. That comes with what specifically happened. Now we have to remember that Hillary's husband was the president of the United States. They did have servers for that at the house because of who he was, mm-hmm. um, and then her not knowing any better which i believe she didn't know any better i mean i've tried to teach my mother and grandmother technology and um and it's it's lost upon them yeah um thinking that well we already have this from the last time someone in our family was in office why can't i just use this yeah what's what's interesting so there are three things that mm-hmm. i think are important about that story the first mm-hmm. is that she is not the first Secretary of State, or even high-level, high-ranking government Anybody official, to, to do that. Yeah. Um, it, in, as Secretary of State, mm-hmm. Condoleezza Rice did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Who I think everybody would vote for in a heartbeat if she had reigned for president. I like Condi. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says, but I feel like I look. I look at her, and when she's speaking, she genuinely wants to help. Yeah. Um, and that she doesn't seem completely incompetent in. And that's, again, to the point, language is important. Yeah. How you present yourself, which is why I think Bush and Donald make me rub my forehead <laughs> um, every time I see them. And then I have a longing feeling when I when I listen to um, Obama and then to an extent Biden. Biden has his gaffes, but he speaks with intensity and passion that you, you can sense that it's a real conversation he's having with you, which is important. I think you need to see that these people have the very basic form of communication down. Yeah, and you know? yeah, and and when you talking about communication, you have Donald Trump who has essentially been in entertainment for the last you know, 20 years His life between between when he was a reality star and then prior to that, you know, right. you're talking about casinos and Trump license and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. You know he's he's been selling himself as uh, a caricature, right? Um, and he's made a lot of money, right? Um, and you know the the faults that he's had in terms of business success, mm-hmm. um, those are in everything except. 
the entertainment realm. Right. That and he's made a lot of money screwing a lot of people over. Um, sure. But the man is... He is a natural communicator. He's boisterous and mm-hmm. gets people going. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton is not that. No. She is She is not that. She is a bureaucrat's bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. She um, She comes off condescending. Like uh, uh, if your aunt was telling you what you should be doing kind of thing, like I did talking mm-hmm. down to you, even if it was making you, trying to make you feel better, she'd still make you feel bad. Yeah, and yeah. and oftentimes what she's saying mm-hmm. is right. But mm-hmm. the way that she's saying it is so elitist. Mm-hmm. Even like now, I I wouldn't even necessarily refer to myself from this election as a Clinton supporter. Mm-hmm. I voted for her. Mm-hmm. I encouraged other people's to uh, other people's other people to <laughs> vote for. Her. Um, but that was because the rest of the field filled me with such dread, right? That she was the lesser of four options because we're not talking about the lesser of two right? right we are hopefully in a in a position where some other third party will bubble up to the top and, and right. present uh which is i think important because especially and this is something i think people talk about there was a number i can't remember what it was i think it was six six party affiliates when abraham lincoln was elected yeah and and uh technically um, even though there were more than two and they weren't the third party. But right. the Republicans, when not, uh, Abraham was, Lincoln was elected, were a third party. Right, because it was um, the Federalists and the Republican, the, the Democratics of Republic or whatever, yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, so, that yeah, like a strictly just the word Republican wasn't even a part of the major two-party system. Right, and he obviously won. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's nothing inherently wrong with third party option. Right. Um, in fact, I, I mean, it, it creates some complexity depending on like the percentage that the population uh, votes for, because then mm-hmm. you end up with an instance where less than fifty percent of the country has voted for someone. I mean, we are in that position now, yeah, even today. with the two party system. Right. But um, you know, if you have three legitimate candidates, this the uh, the percentage of the population that actually voted for that person and then they become the leader is obviously smaller than if you have two different options but right. that i mean that's it's just the complexity of it but mm-hmm. uh when you're talking about the third party candidates that we did have to choose from plus donald trump who has n- no experience in government and honestly um, he's not republican he just happened to run under their under the ticket yeah right. he's not um he and, would have uh, been like a fourth party essentially yeah and the things that he's done since november 8th Mm-hmm. Um, support the fact that he's he isn't a Republican, and right. a lot of a lot of the 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 more ideological Republican base are furious. Sure, they're furious. Right. Um, the, and rightfully the, so because the, some of these things are very crazy, and we'll we'll touch on those. Um, but uh, what happened, and I think just to regear, um, what happened was that we we got so distracted about this e- email scandal with Hillary. Mm-hmm. That, that, Which was a legitimate concern. Yeah, we needed to talk about that. Absolutely. What were in the emails? What were the details? Um, um, did she commit perjury by saying she didn't wasn't aware or didn't delete or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, those are all valid issues. Um, and I still think it's a little sketchy that um, nothing came of that. I mean, I don't think that she should have been put in prison forever, but I, there should have been some form of reprimand because... 
albeit ignorant to the idea that she couldn't do that it still happened and other people have been punished for things similar but like you said other people have done it and they haven't even been talked to right so within reason but because it turned into an issue i think if it's never an issue you never have to correct it but if it turns into something that's when you're like all right i guess we got to do something about it um i think what happened was um and bernie played into it even though i feel like he was the ideal candidate um, he helped Donald in the long run because they focused on those emails for so long that it was an uphill battle for her just to get back into topics and stop talking about those. It was like, what, three months that we were just on that and nothing else mm-hmm. in terms of policy. Um, Donald was able to use it anytime they were not really in a debate, but at a rally, he would just talk about and Hillary, Crooked Hillary with her emails. And that was all you needed. That was the rallying cry. He didn't have those crooked emails. And on top of that, he came out with his tax returns that he was not a successful person when he finally released them. And he never we, released them. They were released by the New York Times. Right, right. Yeah, New York Times got it. When, when they, we still haven't seen his tax returns. And the idea right. that there are so many opportunities for there to be uh, conflicts of interest uh, because of his businesses and that he hasn't, mm. that the only public address that he's, uh, he's made of it since mm-hmm. the election has been essentially people knew he was a businessman before the election. So the, uh, you bought voting from yeah. you. This is what you bought. Right. And, um, and until now, now that he's the thing, now we're hundred percent focuses on Donald. Um, we're no longer talking about Hillary. Right. Um, but at the to the point, like we had the Hillary thing, which was a serious concern, and then this stuff was happening too. And anytime someone said it, they would be like, "Yeah," and then turn right back over to the Hillary emails because they happened twice. There was a very, there was also a very sort of um, home team mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the candidate that I'm supporting, mm-hmm. so I have to support the things that my candidate has done, even the things that they, I don't agree with. Right, and I, I mean, I think that's fundamentally wrong. Right. Um, right. I, like I said, I. Uh, I voted for Hillary Clinton. I don't mm-hmm. support Hillary Clinton, but I chose her as my candidate because she was the least terrifying option. Right. Um. I. I and she had a, a um. A, in my opinion, she had an already working history with a lot of the countries that we're going to have to be dealing with. Uh, uh some very serious her, issues. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, her qualifications are uh, are right. stellar. Uh. And, and, and do I, would, I think she would be able to do the job? Yes, and that's why that's right. why I voted the way I did. Right. But there are legitimate concerns. There is a an almost complete lack of transparency in terms mm-hmm. of the way that they mm-hmm. choose to run things. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's nefarious is sort of irrelevant. Right. But you you can't you can't know if what she's saying is one hundred percent the truth or if it's right. an amalgam of and that's something important. else. Important. You need people need to be able to trust you if you're going to run the country, regardless, like you said, if it's going to have any kind of malicious effect or not. Yeah, and then you have on the flip side, you have Donald Trump, um, who one of the things that people responded to most strongly uh, was that he uh, he speaks his mind, right. right? Whether or not what he's saying is accurate. Mm-hmm. Or was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it didn't matter. Right. It, it, it didn't matter. It was just people were so starved for honesty. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I don't mean truthfulness. I mean honesty. Someone speaking Saying. from 
from no filter in there. Right. Head. No yeah. filter. Not yeah. again, not that what he's saying is accurate, but just that he's speaking from his position. Purely reactionary. <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, no filter. Right. Um, and because we have this thing where um, uh, I think, and it's the dying, it's kind of my, the, the analogy being a flame flickers violently before it goes out. Mm-hmm. I think it's the dying grasp of people not wanting to be PC going, well, there's the guy who doesn't do PC. He's not politically correct. And politically correct nonsense is just another way to give everybody comfort blankets and safe spaces and all that right, sort of stuff yeah. yeah and things that don't actually happen in reality but um we can say them because uh they're they're nice thoughts to to distract you from real topics you know what i mean yeah uh, and one of the things though too and I, I think it's a legitimate criticism of of the dnc and the left in general and i mentioned it before the mm-hmm. idea that the uh the campaign went all in on sort of identity politics <laughs> right. right and right. and and left the rest of the conversation to Donald Trump. Donald Trump could talk about immigration. He could talk about mm-hmm. the economy. It didn't matter that a lot of the stuff that he was saying right. wasn't necessarily accurate or if it was an intentional, Just, whether it was an intentional misrepresentation or not, sure. it didn't matter. Right. Um, but he was the only one talking about it. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, when, when you're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a, a socially conservative electorate mm-hmm. who um, you know, only only really recently maybe felt comfortable with the idea of uh, gay rights and mm-hmm. things like that because a lot of times, you know, you're talking about, and I, I don't mean to be, um, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to talk about rural America as if I know right. okay. exactly what's going to happen, but... Um, Essentially, you're talking about you know a, a people who are less likely to move in a liberal progressive direction because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily encounter people that have d- different beliefs in right. the same, and they uh, rely purely on the rhetoric of what is told to them about these people. And let's be honest, us as a nation has not used a very polite way of describing these humans yeah. for the last thirty years. Yeah, and and I, and I realize that. Um, you know, sort of describing a people who aren't my people mm-hmm. feels to me as I'm saying it condescending. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wish that I could verbalize it in a more appropriate way. But right. um, you, you're talking about people who just don't feel comfortable with um, some of the the progressive movement from a social perspective, mm-hmm. um, and they feel like it's been jammed down their throat. And a lot of in a, in a lot of instances, I, f- I feel like. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Um, We talked, what, for two and a half months about um, if people who want to be women or dress like women get to go into a girl's bathroom. Yeah, it it permeated (laughs) the political conversation. Right. Um, and and I don't mean I I don't mean to uh, belittle that conversation or, or to diminish it mm-hmm. um, in terms of you know trans rights and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I have a very libertarian viewpoint on on people uh, and the decisions that they make in their personal life. Uh-huh. As long as it doesn't negatively affect me, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Right. It doesn't right. matter. Not my business. Uh, right. It's not my business. Right. You know, if you you know you you want to smoke pot or you want to uh, if you if you love someone of the same gender, or you want to you know, dress like a woman or dress like a man, even though you're not necessarily born in that, whatever, I don't yeah. care. It doesn't yeah. matter. Right. Um, but it's it can be jarring. Yeah. Right. It to can some be jarring people who are to people. Way not even thinking that stuff is possible. Right. And, and, and uh, 
And, and so when um, when the conversation veers towards people who are expressing concerns because they don't feel comfortable, because it is different, mm-hmm. right? Um, a man dressing up as a woman is different. Right. That that is a that is different from the norm. Right. Um, that's not inherently wrong. Right. But it's different. It's jarring, and some people need more time to adjust to that than others. And there's not there's not anything necessarily wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you when you voice those concerns, or when someone says that it is jarring, and they want to sort of work through it, mm-hmm. and they're called a bigot. Mm-hmm. Not because they intend to discriminate against this person, but because th- they didn't immediately embrace mm-hmm. this this thing that is different and foreign to them. Right. They're called a bigot, and then they're immediately put on the defense. Right. And that's when it becomes really easy to dig in and say, no, this is my position, and this is how I feel, and, right. and it, right or wrong the you know the the left um has been very thought policey right. uh in the last in the last several sure. years just, and um just in terms of uh the just for instance the black lives matter movement um and the use of the term that i find um the the incorrect word to use they say white privilege a lot in the black lives matter movement and to your point these moderates who maybe we don't see class struggle. Um, we don't see it because we don't live in an urbanized environment where it is apparent. We live in a very um, rural environment for give or take like an extreme world, but sure. it's, it's still a suburban area. And, and then the people of color that we do come in contact with are no different and we don't see it. So of course we don't see the struggle um, and they use a term white privilege. And well, I don't see many more privilege than another person. And I honestly, um, my opinion of that... It's easy to fall on the defensive. Sure. And my opinion of that is because they're using the wrong word. Anytime I talk negatively about a person who's privileged, it's usually, I say the word, they're privileged. Um, And my thought, and and I'll get your opinion on this in a second, my thought is the word privilege to me means someone um, working hard to present you with something that was not available before that. So you have a privilege now. Or you've earned something that you didn't have before, so now you have a privilege. Me, as a white human being, I've no one in the history of my people has ever worked hard to be treated better than another person. That was just inherent. That just happened because that's what we wanted to have happen. Um, through purposeful class distinctions, um, slavery, and, and our, even our constitution to an extent... Um, no, not even to an extent. It's there, right? Right. You know, that uh, so, the Africans are three fifths of a person, right? That's in the document, right? Um, so I, it's I'll, like it's, I'll come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a um, it, it's it's not a privilege because no one has earned this right. Sure, it's not even a right. What I would say, it's a bias because I have zero control over the opinion of me as a, in my skin color. It's a very negative bias that I get unrightfully so from another person because they approve of how I look. Um, and I think if we, if the, the language, it's literally just the language could even mean the same thing in your head, mm-hmm. but the language, which as we say is important. If, if the language we use is it's a white bias, I think everybody would go, Oh yeah, no, totally. We're 
more biased to white people than we are black people look at our history but we're not privileged right because we still struggle like an unprivileged person well even you know talk again going back to the importance of language talking about the black lives uh, matter movement Mm -hmm. um that name immediately puts uh other uh, other groups on the defensive as well and that's because why what, we've does seen, my life not matter yeah right exactly. we've seen we've seen the you know the bubbling up of the top mm-hmm. this that all lives matter right response to that um and that that is really the message of black lives matter right is that my life include us in, in the rest of everybody right yes B- uh, and but the way that that message is interpreted Mm-hmm. Um, by folks as who, mine before yours, as opposed to mine with yours, right? Which is, of course, not what they're saying, right? Um, but that's not what people are hearing, and mm-hmm. that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I I can understand how you know conservative leaning uh, rural Americans or urban Americans. I mean, these people are everywhere. Right. I mean. You know, yes, we can talk about how there are more, you know, Republican votes in the center of the country than there are on the coast, but that doesn't mean that there are no Republicans in Philadelphia, right? Or in, uh, or in in California, or in New York. Right. Um, I mean, there are there are conservatives and there are liberals throughout the country. We mm-hmm. are a very purple nation, right? Despite what the if you've actually looked at what it says, how we vote, almost every country has voted both ways yeah. almost evenly mm-hmm. like the country is way more purple than we'd like to believe it is yeah uh absolutely um so when you know when when a message is received in that way and put, and people are put on the defensive and mm-hmm. then they're called racist by by reacting to that mm-hmm. let me clarify that some of those people are racist. Right. They actually are there. <laughs> they, yes, yeah, sure. they're there. They're, yes. They have eye holes in their bed sheets and they're burning crosses on the weekend. Those right. people exist. Right. What I'm saying is the vast majority of people aren't that. Right. Um, you know, and just because you voted for Trump doesn't make you a bigot. No. Um, it, it uh, I can, I can understand and empathize with the the reason mm-hmm. why someone would would make that decision. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, mm-hmm. I find more harm than good. Right when I weigh sure. the pros and cons, but um, I, at the end of the day, am trying to see all perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um. And so to to bring it to what ended up happening is now we had Hillary, who through the the we saw in two separate DNC email hacks um, had tried at a, um, at an elevated level to really keep Bernie Sanders out of the question. Yeah, which you know what isn't surprising to an extent because of course like you build very personal. Um, relationship with with people of certain import in policy and let's be honest like if you were working in a building and you got to bump elbows with the ceo your expectation is if you stay bumping elbows with him you're going to be able to move up faster because he likes you you Mm -hmm. know um same thing with how politics work And, and and there's also a thing that we have to realize that there is a strict separation of what um our rights give us in voting for the actual president and the nominee, because those are two very different things. Um, 
Um, so uh, it's not surprising to hear that someone would be trying to pull the strings, pull the levers on elevating themselves. That's kind of the capitalistic nature of the country. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised by politicians being political. Exactly. So when they are saying, what can we do to stop Bernie? I mean, you could say that over the phone. Who cares if it happened over an email? Because let's, I want to win. Let's figure it out. Sure. Um, uh, do I think it was a purely democratic um, system and how that happened clearly it wasn't um but here now here's the fun part is because we see that is not right but then again right has nothing to do with the party affiliation because that technically is not government that's the party that's a separated beast entirely mm-hmm. um so they that's can, why you have the primary system for the gop right is starkly different than the primary for the DNC. They have they they set rules for themselves but by no means have to follow them. Right. Um they're not they're not laws set in government. Um that happens after um and, and in all seriousness like that's the nominee for us to vote for president. You have to be a part of that party to even vote for who you want to vote for. Um any Joe Schmo can be on the ticket. You just have to have enough people talking about you to be on the ticket. You can have a, a, a completely singular party system of by yourself, but if all of a sudden 15% of the population was paying attention to you, boom, there goes your name right on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we have to, people have to realize that that's why that wasn't something that anybody could investigate because it wasn't a crime it wasn't a crime it it literally they can do what they want with their own company yeah and we can we can argue uh, in terms of the ethics of what was Mm -hmm. done and and that's another conversation entirely but yeah if you're talking strictly legal concern Mm -hmm. there aren't any no they if they really wanted hillary they had no um legal obligation to provide Bernie an opportunity to be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, they like to say that they're purely democratic and say that regardless of what um, we think, we will still provide equal opportunity with the money that's donated to us. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they are held to a certain standard because they receive federal funding, both mm-hmm. the GOP and the DNC. Uh-huh. Um, but th- those rules, they they don't stretch very far. No. And they're and they're also very gray in their language to begin with, so it's not like um, they have to be one hundred percent. Now, here's the thing: it wasn't one hundred percent. Now, Bernie, in all honesty, did not win the huge majority of what was required. But uh, and the argument is um, he could have had people known about him um, earlier, because now there's a process. Now I'm this is rudimentary knowledge on me, and I'm sure you know more about it than I do. There is an electoral process within the primaries, um, and Hillary had already locked all of that up before Bernie even took most of the stage with her. In terms of becoming a candidate? Yes. Uh, yeah. And then and then when Bernie started gaining traction, he needed delegates, and they were already cast as voted for Hillary. Yeah, the superdelegates. Superdelegates, which is uh, um, another animal. Um, when it comes to that, it's kind of like who your votes go to vote for. Like mm-hmm. it's um, it's kind of how the electoral college works. It's yeah. So um, the superdelegate system in the mm-hmm. in the DNC is born out of the electoral college. So mm-hmm. um, just a, a sort of quick recap of what the electoral college is: when your state 
um, votes for one candidate over the other. You're not necessarily voting for that candidate. You're voting for electors who will then go on December the 19th to vote for a president. Right. So, so we, we would send as Pennsylvania. How many do we have? Uh, 29, is it? Uh, I don't remember. It's. I don't think it's that many. Um, it's I'm gonna, in the 20s somewhere. Ha- whatever number it is. We send that many Republicans to go vote for Donald Trump. Right. And and they can vote for Donald Trump, the uh but they're not obligated to do so. There is a uh, small fine that comes with being a faithless voter is what right. they're called. And it's not harsh enough to keep 26 people from consistently doing it every election process. Yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting. And you know, we can talk about the uh you know, the, the merits of the electoral college and, and I mean there are there are pros and cons for, for each of it. We're talking now following an election where almost two million, if not more, uh people didn't uh didn't vote for the person who won. Right. Um, Which is um scary because you'd like to think it's a purely democratic process and it's not and there's a lot of pros and cons that go into that mm-hmm. yeah because when when you're talking about um, if you're talking about the popular vote it's really easy to win the popular vote if you're only talking essentially to four the, the states coast. right yeah, yeah you, 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 coastlines essentially that California New York Philadelphia and Florida and then you've you've got it that's where everybody lives yeah pretty much so um you know when you're talking about population density it's easy mm-hmm. to just talk to those folks the electoral mm-hmm. college requires you to talk to the rest of the country mm-hmm. but it does so at the detriment of representation so mm-hmm. there the vote that someone has in Nebraska for example means significantly more than a vote than uh, that someone has in California right uh, because they're they're represented in the electoral college more strongly based on population so than they are in California what that means as um, in layman's terms as I understand it is that if uh, for instance a state that has a lot of electoral votes like Ohio or or um, New York or something like that. Florida. Um, if your state is going to vote Republican or Democratic, your one vote means very little in that process. And the amount of people voting towards electoral votes um, gets so sparse that your vote weight doesn't carry very much versus a smaller state that only has a couple of electoral votes, which means the population size is smaller in that state means your one vote could have a very heavy effect on the outcome. Yeah, the, it's um that that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um but one of the other things that's important to know too uh we'll, we'll use um simple numbers even though these aren't necessarily accurate. Uh mm-hmm. let's say there's 50 million people in California. Right. I don't know that there are, there probably, probably isn't, isn't right. but whatever. Right. Let's say there's 50 million people and they have 50 electoral votes. Right. Okay. So for every million people, they get one vote. Right. right? Then you're talking about Nebraska, right? Let's say they have, they have 2 million people, even. but yeah. they have four electoral votes. Right. That means that for every 500, uh, for every 500,000, uh, people they get a vote so each individual person their vote means twice as much as the person who voted right. in California right because of the number of electors that they have representing them in the college right and that you and that's based strictly on population size that's why certain states have a lot more than other it's because that they have more people saying something than others right yeah it's so so now ultimately we come to the election, the election. night 
Um, and what I think happened um, is once Hillary finally got away from gunfire in terms of... That was actually more punny than I thought. Yeah. Away from gunfire. <laughs> um, uh, about her emails, we had three days. We had three days of debates. Um, not three total days, but three separate days of... Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about it. Now that we know that you were the people, let's and that was, in my opinion, not nearly enough time to cover what we needed to know. No, um, so all the stuff that we should have been talking about for the last year and a half, we talked about in the in the matter of three weeks. Yeah, so I have a media background. One of the things that they say it takes it takes between five and seven days for something to appropriately make its way through the cycle. Right. Uh, especially if it's something that's important like that mm-hmm. to be digested and dissected and and um, to sort of filter through the rest of the populace uh, mm-hmm. and there was not nearly enough time mm-hmm. um, and by then we had been talking about it for months and months and months and so it comes up again you know just shy of two weeks before the election and it just reaffirms people's legitimate concern that she's not necessarily right. trustworthy. Right. Um, she's totally experienced. She has the the fortitude to do the job, mm-hmm. but can I believe what she's saying? Right. And it was thrown into doubt again. Right. Um, and in the meantime, um, the other candidate is saying things at a very consistent rate to the point where his own um, cabinet members were taking his phone away from him so he couldn't make tweets because he kept on saying things the the okay now poor Kellyanne Conway right <laughs> they to, to okay so to be fair the thing that Donald Trump said about grabbing women's uh, private areas happened way before he was running for president that was very deftly handled i thought by right. you, you not saying it. <laughs> that yeah because i'm not going to entertain the fact that anybody should say that about anyone else um even though it does happen um, let's not talk, act like it's okay for someone who of that merit of the country to be able to say. Yeah, it shouldn't be normalized. Right. Um, it happened well before he was potentially going to be even considered running for president. Sure. So let's say that we're looking at something that maybe shouldn't be considered too much, but there's a glimpse inside who he is in his very private moments. And um, I think we focused on it too much. And a lot of people, again, media machine fighting itself a little bit, saying like, look, here is the man. We she sh- They showed us the person that we were about to elect. The problem was we showed it too much. And now they're like, well, you're just trying to hit him when he's down. Of course, you're, you'll dig up anything from whenever to throw him under the bus just so you can get. And it's not like they lie about it. Like Hillary Clinton has received donations from you know, the likes of CNN and stuff like that for her, for the Clinton Foundation. Um, So uh, when you look at that, you think, oh, well, of course they're on her side and they'll work as hard as they can to make sure that she's the one that they talk about in a positive light, you know? Yeah, and what's really, what's really, really interesting is um, the conversation following the election Mm -hmm. uh, was, uh, within that, within that first few days was, how were the pollsters so wrong? Right, uh, and as the popular vote continues to be counted, it's shown that 
They weren't. They weren't wrong. There were right. pockets of people in very influential states that don't show up on those polls because they don't ordinarily vote. And they, in this instance, in very specific strategic areas, um, <clears throat> and I don't mean strategic in a conspiratorial way, I mm-hmm. mean in in very Battleground areas, they, as they call them. Yeah, people showed up that don't ordinarily vote, and people uh, who... In previous elections, would have come out and voted for the Democrat. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't they? Mm-hmm. Didn't come out. A lot of people or didn't they voted come out. For Gary Johnson. Yeah, or or Jill Stein. Right. Um, or Harambe, who received fifteen thousand votes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I I will ad- admire at the comedic value with that. And it really didn't hold much of the weight in the election. But what is scary is that there was enough people to think that these were so completely terrible options that they voted for a dead gorilla right that i think this is just it's even it's worth it to be funny yeah it's to it, cast my vote for something else it, yeah it's and i mean you know at, at the end of the day we have um we have a very vocal minority mm-hmm. and a very silent majority Mm-hmm. Um and and that's that's a problem. Um, people are so disenfranchised with the system that you have conservatives on the right who wouldn't ordinarily have voted go out and vote for Donald Trump because he's different. Mm-hmm. It, it, do, it doesn't matter whether or not that different is better. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have uh, people that are so disenfranchised on the left that they didn't go out and vote because they felt like it didn't matter. Right. Right. And 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 now now we're here. So. Right. One of the things that I spent doing the majority of the uh, of the election cycle is trying to keep my bias in check mm-hmm. um, and really focus on policy, mm-hmm. um, which was difficult because there wasn't a whole lot of policy talk to be had. Right. So you had to go look for it. Right. Um, so on November 9, when we found out who the president-elect was going to be, mm-hmm. um, and, you know... People didn't handle it very well. No, uh, <laughs> on both sides. On both sides. Yeah, yeah it, it it went over poorly. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I tried to hold myself to um, to the standard that I I think is appropriate for me mm-hmm. um, is to start with a clean slate. Uh-huh. This man who I don't agree with, who I I uh, I don't believe ran a. Um, an honorable campaign mm-hmm. um, who I believe actively took advantage of people's most base instincts mm-hmm. uh, in a negative way to benefit himself. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all campaign tactics and that sucks. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, maybe we're looking at a guy who runs a awful campaign full of vitriol and hate. Mm-hmm. And once he gets elected, Used he the, does he used whatever. the negative to win, but happened to have a very different idea right. so, when it so, came to what he would do. Exactly. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe we're looking at a guy who is pragmatic and saw an opportunity to use people's biases against them to get them to vote for him, and now he's going to do whatever. Right. People of fear grasping at straws for good, essentially, is what we're looking at uh, now. That's Yeah, that's where I was at. So mm-hmm. November 9, I'm like, fine. I'm going to try as I as I might to forget all of the things that he's said and done from na- from this point back mm-hmm. and only base my opinion on what he does from now on. Uh-huh. 
And the things that we've seen him do in terms of uh, appointing uh, appointing cabinet, cabinet members, members mm-hmm. and making uh, you know, making statements about policy have and the the general reaction to, from other government figures and people who were still inside our own government. Yeah, it 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 confirms a lot of the things that we saw in the in the campaign, mm-hmm. and surprisingly enough. Um, dispels some of the things that we saw in the campaign, like um, you know, you, you see him him right now on I don't know what's the the date, November the twenty sixth. Um, he's he's backing away from the wall, mm-hmm. um, which he, and and to cover it, I could cover this in like thirty seconds. His idea to build a wall was that I don't forget what the budget was going to be like eight billion dollars or something. His the first number was four, four, and, and it then went up. yeah, people people have more accurately estimated that it okay. would cost somewhere closer to eighteen to twenty. Eighteen to twenty. Um, now his idea, he kept on saying Mexico was going to pay for it, and I and for the longest time I was like, what are you going to give the contract to Mexico? The longest. Um, contracting job in the history of the country, and it would go to no Americans to build. Um, that's not what would, what his idea was. So the adjustment of my understanding was that we have a trade deficit with Mexico. Yes. Does not touch $20 billion. No, it's not even close. It's not even close. So there's no way that Mexico would even consider paying for it because they would, would erase the deficit, and then they'd still have to pay more money. Yeah. yeah um, you, and they would be like, no, we'll just keep our trade deficit, pay that off, you figure out the wall. Yeah, his, in, his intention essentially was to attribute tariffs to mm-hmm. money in order to to pay for it and it, it wouldn't it be wouldn't enough work. money to no. pay for it in the in the short term so you'd have to debt finance it mm-hmm. and it would increase the deficit um eventually even if you could if you could put tariffs on products that are coming in from mexico to account for that amount of money over over a, a period of years right to add up to that number it means that the money that is already coming in uh via via sort of the trade deal but mm-hmm. th- that we have for nafta and such like that and, um, and think on top of that he would you have to use government unions and it's it would just support something that he doesn't believe in in the first place yeah it's 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 very um, disheartening um so yeah. yeah so to touch on that that wouldn't have happened just on the premise but that again is the importance of policy we didn't talk about that when he was running for election we would have seen how impossible it would have been even though we said it no one actually it fell on up, deaf ears right we uh we didn't actually open up the book and say here's why yeah um, um and, and you know and you see him backing away from from mm-hmm. other things and then you see other things like him uh selecting steve bannon to be which uh, is truly scary because it, we thought he was racist and okay maybe we were we were knee-jerking here but then he does that and and um i know you'll do a better job than me um, enlighten anybody who might not know who Steve Bannon is. Um, so the easiest way, the, the sort of 30-second elevator speech for Steve Bannon is Steve Bannon is a critical member of Breitbart News, um, an alt-right, um, some would say racist, I would be among them. Uh, Explain alt-right to, to an extent. So alt-right is um, white nationalist. Mm-hmm. Basically, so the, the, which is different than white supremacist. Um, these people don't burn crosses; um, they are just as prejudiced, right? Um, but they uh, they find other ways to inflict those prejudices. Right? On, they're on they're the racists that could look at you in your face, and you wouldn't know that they were racist. Yeah, it's. I mean, 
and then they are also uh, they, they also fall into this sort of ideologue category. These are people, the Ayn Rand conservatives that don't necessarily take into account data that doesn't conform with what they believe the econ- supports the economy. Mm-hmm. So they um, they dispel things that that don't agree with them regardless of whether or not they're supported by fact and they sort of surround themselves with this comfy cozy blanket of racism um and uh fox uh, news times nine thousand. uh yeah it's 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 really it's really terrifying and one of the things that's even scarier still is you're talking about an intentionally and and outwardly biased organization um that they don't hide it you can go online and find numerous speeches from the these people um whether you want to call them companies or whatever um uh talking very openly about what they believe and especially now what they believe what will happen under their current president that they believe they have elected yeah there's a delightful video of one such uh which i couldn't and i and i think i sent you a text when or we were talking about it um i i had to make sure of what i was seeing and hearing was actually from where they said it was coming from, and it wasn't just like a group of 30 people just gathered and being lunatics about what they were saying. I mean, we're talking about a group of people in a hotel ballroom that are Zeke-heiling. I mean, it's They're putting their arms in the... Like, they're hailing Hitler. Yeah, and that's not to say that everyone who reads Breitbart is racist. That's not accurate. I would argue that the vast majority of the people who are involved in that news media outlet are uh, uh, racist or prejudiced. Um, They are highly conservative. They are highly organized. um, And they don't give a shit about fact-checking. I wish... I wish I could think of the exact example, but there was a uh, there was a story that they ran a few years ago. Um, uh, it was a story about a uh, a, a female political uh, member of some kind. I don't mm-hmm. recall the exact context, and they uh, they ran a story about this person's uh, past. <clears throat> the only problem is is that the name was right, but the person was different. Mm-hmm. So they wrote a story about a totally different person, and they attributed it to someone who was involved with the Obama administration. <laughs> um, but they didn't get so far into fact checking that they realized that they were talking about a totally different person. Right. That's like that's like me. Basic. Yeah, that's like someone writing an article about me, but basing all of the facts of the story on another person with my name. They're talking about Andrea the Giant, but the name that they used was Hulk Hogan. Like yeah yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, who is Steve Bannon to the alt-right? <sighs> who is Steve Bannon? Um, so, uh, in terms of Breitbart, what was he? Uh, he's um, the president. He is the president of Breitbart. I believe that is t- his title. I mean, okay. uh, I encourage anyone out there in internet land to Double fact check, check that. Right. Um, but yeah, so essentially his relationship was, is almost direct with that company. That's right. Um, so now we have a man who uh, in the past has um, has supported these these stories that are blatantly inaccurate or racist or anti-Semitic mm-hmm. um, th- who is advising the president directly standing next to him in an advisory role yeah that's really scary Mm -hmm. um and then we have other folks um that he's uh uh, that he's talked to about uh cabinet positions Mm -hmm. like um uh her name escapes me the uh 
the presumptive secretary of education. Uh-huh. Um, Which who, at first was going to be Ben Carson, which is another hilarious consideration. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this, this woman, again, I, I'm sort of uh, having a, uh, having a family Yeah, I here, can't remember her name either. But, um, she Feel has, free to look that up. Please, yeah. If you'd like. Yeah, actually, talking we, to the thingy for a moment have, while I look. We, we have, have, we have, um, uh, pull your phone just a little bit away from the microphone. There you go. Um, the uh, the scary the scarier thing about it is that it seems like his his picks at first for his cabinet members to me seemed like everybody he was running against um, in the GOP primaries, which was um, just to prove his lack of of grasp on how the country works. It's like, oh, but you know, and you know, you know, I I spent a lot of time with you people. Let's. Come on now. Yeah, her name is Betsy DeVos. Betsy, so, Betsy um, DeVos. So I, I, it was her last... I knew her I knew her first name was Betsy. I couldn't remember her last, last name. Um, so she is a perfect encapsulation of, of everything that I'm terrified of with this administration. Mm-hmm. She is intended to be the Secretary of Education. She has no history in education. She has no education degree. She's never been a teacher. She's never worked with a school district. Her her and her children have never gone to public school. She has no experience in the public school system. Mm-hmm. And she's donated an outrageous amount of money to privatized school. And mm-hmm. she has an, a vested interest in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were talking moments ago about um, these sort of conflicts of interest, mm-hmm. We're talking about a person who is who would be in charge of public education who, who has shown an active it. bias against public right. education, right. Um, and and that would uh, stand to gain financially from um, from moving that bias into action, sure. and that's that's terrifying. One of the other things going back to before the election um, that would come up when when his lack of experience in government would come up. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, he would hire people around him that mm-hmm. would have the necessary experience to make these decisions, and right. that, based on the the appointments, much that like he's George made, Bush seemed incompetent, but the people he put around him were very, very good. Aside from Dick Cheney, he had Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, people with experience yeah. who maybe we disagree with ideologically, but uh-huh. they have experience; they know what they're talking about. And then, um, for the most part, until the um, September 11th attacks and the crash of the housing market actually was doing a pretty decent job at running the country with those cabinet members. Yeah, and you know what? Say what you will about the Bush administration, but one mm. of the things about the economy, there are there were plenty of opportunities to fix the economy before it broke. Right. There were plenty of opportunities throughout the tail end of the Clinton administration and throughout the duration of the Bush administration to recognize the problem, recognize mm-hmm. the bu- it's it's super easy right. to see a bubble in hindsight. Sure. And um if we have time, we'll touch on it. Yeah. We'll talk about why that bubble was such a big thing that happened. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, when you look when you look at the um, the valuation of, of housing mm-hmm. in, in that period of time, subprime mortgages and all that sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. we could really fall into the weeds on that. So I'm going to try and stay as high as I can. Right. Um, it's really easy to see the problem, the imbalance. And, yeah, in hindsight, 2020 always. Right. Um, but. Irrespective of the opportunities that we would have had to course correct in the time, mm-hmm. Hank Paulson was Secretary of the Treasury when the shit really hit the fan, uh-huh. and he um, 
he righted the ship in a way that averted a, a huge a disaster. huge disaster. Right. Um, not not to say that it wasn't already, right. but. He really stopped the bleeding. Been, we would have been living in Central Park in shacks again. And, and that's why and that's why it's so important to hire people who have experience and knowledge and have seen these problems before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked about Ben Carson, the new appointment that he has presented Carson with that Trump has presented Carson with mm-hmm. is um, to lead HUD, the Housing and Urban Development. Right. And again, what is he his has, experience in that he field? He has none. He has no. Right. He's a brain surgeon. He's a right. very accomplished brain like, surgeon. I, it who kind has, of made sense when they said uh, uh, the lead of of the medical sector. I I, uh, I forget the th- yeah, specific yeah, yeah, title yeah, yeah, of the yeah, job. Yeah, and I was, I was like, oh well, that kind of makes sense. He was his brain surgeon. Yeah, I, I'm. He owns a house. I'm sure. Yeah. He maybe owns two houses, but few. that doesn't make him an expert in real estate. It's yeah. yeah it's it's really it's. The hiring of these folks that have that mm-hmm. just don't have the experience necessary. It's not even about ideology at this point. Mm-hmm. I just want someone who knows what they're doing. Right. If you if you have a base of knowledge, but you disagree with me, but you at least have that base of knowledge, there's only so much that you can ruin. Right. Um, it's if, like it, going to go to a daycare center, see one that has this very strict curriculum, and see how the children behave in that one, versus one that has a very loose curriculum and very unstructured teachers, and see how they how the children react in that environment yeah you're, you're yeah and actually to fo- to follow that uh analogy we are in a situation where in four years we may end up in a nanny 911 situation where we have to get someone who is so wildly qualified to fix the problem because it's been off the rails for four years because people don't know what they're supposed to be doing right Right. Um, it's, so that that le- that's where I that's why experience is so important. And even e- I I would sooner vote for someone with experience that I don't necessarily agree with mm-hmm. over someone who doesn't have experience. So that uh, brings us to the next interesting thing about the election. Um, as we said a couple of times, Hillary has gotten almost two million more votes towards the popular than Donald has. Which now I don't know if this is true. You said you we would talk about it. Um, uh, have um, what I heard, and I didn't fact check it, but this is what I heard, and then I'll let you take it away. Um, is that that is the most votes in the discrepancy versus a losing candidate and the popular vote by anyone in history? And Hillary, a white female, is what they were underlining this topic with. Um, was the person to do that? That is my understanding. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I, I'm fairly certain it's happened five times in the past, twice in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. um, with obviously Bush uh, and, and Al Gore. Yeah, yeah. Um, being being the first in the last 20 years, and then mm-hmm. now this election. Um, but it, yeah, that I mean, just based on the math, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now the interesting thing about that is we now we talked about how the electoral college works. Come December 19th. Uh, and here's the interesting thing. Now, these I fact-checked myself. There are two states that I know of. There might be more. Um, one is Michigan and the other one's Pennsylvania who have filed for faithless voting. Yeah, Wisconsin is the other one. Wisconsin, okay. Um, and what that essentially means is that Pennsylvania being a red state, went it went towards Trump. They would, if all of our um, college members switch their votes... Um, would be uh, Donald Trump doesn't have the required electoral college numbers to be the president. 
Um, and why that's interesting is because that was what was presented um, to us via these these filings. Yeah, and the the concern. So, so and that there are... well, that kind of wipes out. And now it's 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 scary on two fronts. One because okay, so there is really no strict way that our democracy works in terms of the election process. But that on the flip side, here is what we could consider the Electoral College protecting us from what a lot of people think could be a, a very severe dictatorship takeover of our country, um, which is what it was essentially put in there to protect us from, to make sure that a very vitrioled majority couldn't put someone in who just ruin everything because they, um, for whatever reason, the majority of the country went nuts, um, which kind of looks like what happened but um i don't know if trump is that extreme to where this needs to happen i don't know but that's why um it's going to be interesting because i doubt that they want hillary even if they are switching their vote i doubt that they want her because republicans don't like her hardly at all either yeah um that's actually you bring up an interesting point so um one of the things that is uh it's interesting as we sort of look forward to the next milestone, which is December the 19th, when the electors will actually vote, um, is uh, the electors that are going to the college could change um, mm-hmm. depending on the outcome of the recounts in oh, and Wisconsin, again, yeah, Michigan, and re- Pennsylvania. Because of the, the way that the votes have landed in such a majority towards Hillary, they were like, well, let's recount now because it seems like there's enough to consider that maybe a state was cast for someone who shouldn't have gotten. Yeah, there are um, there are inconsistencies mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in in not in turnout in uh, in votes that had uh, electronic voting machines mm-hmm. versus the paper voting machines. It's mm-hmm. like a seven percent difference, uh-huh. um, which statistically is outside the norm. It's an right. outlier enough that. Um, computer scientists were, very, were saying we should keep an eye on this, right, and, and whether or not it'll, 2000 Al Gore, George Bush, Florida yeah, instance, and whether or not it actually means that um, mm-hmm. that Clinton won one of those three states, mm-hmm. uh, that would mean that the electors, if if the recount. For any one of those three states goes to uh, goes to Clinton before December nineteen, it means that her electors go to the college in, in the nineteenth. If there's a contested election between now and the nineteenth, or I believe I would have to check, but um, uh, between now and the nineteenth, or on the nineteenth when they are technically going to be voting, mm-hmm. then the vote goes to the House of Representatives, and then the House casts votes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which used to be actually, uh, if I understand, what the vice president's job used to be. Very, very, very back early in the days when there was a tie vote, he was the the um, the difference. He is the tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that be- that is his that is still his role in Congress. If there's a uh, if there's a, a tie, then then the vice president uh, okay. can cast a vote to break the tie. Okay. Uh, but. This is so outside the norm mm-hmm. that if that was to happen, mm-hmm. if that was to happen, if in the recounts they are uh, are determined that Clinton won uh, one of those three states, and, mm-hmm. and then it, the, the election flops, or even if that doesn't happen, if the recall is or or the uh, the recount rather isn't uh, finished between now and that period of time, um, and the uh, 
the electors do vote for someone else, and, mm-hmm. and Donald Trump Which, isn't inaugurated. And, they don't ha- and this is important. They don't have to have Hillary to be voted for. Right, yeah, you can vote for anybody. Um, They can literally go for someone who wasn't on the ballot, which is another scary thought because then there's their thought that they just completely hijacked the election from the electorate. Yeah, one of the the funnier... um, I think that was a Huffington Post article I read that (laughs) said that. Yeah, one of the funnier, or I guess terrifying, depending on how you look at it, Mm -hmm. examples of that is... uh, uh, one of the electors voted for John Edwards with his last name spelled wrong in right. 2004. Right, right. Um, and you pay a fine and... It's a slap on the wrist penalty. Yeah. It's, yeah. So there's nothing really stopping you from, from doing it. From right. doing that. They could but vote for Harambe. For they, they could. They could. They could. I don't, I don't know that it would be much different. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel like that would have such a detrimental effect to our democracy riots would surely break out absolutely absolutely absolutely. Mm -hmm. um that i unless there's a recount Mm -hmm. and the act and the and the votes show Uh, it was different democratic process that happened um Mm -hmm. then i would kind of be less concerned but Mm -hmm. um even then there's no there's no reason for people to not believe it because Hillary Clinton is involved. Right. And and her presence and, and Donald Trump has made a very good job of saying that if he loses the election It's bias and rigged and And it's rigged, yeah. And yeah. this would this whole process has been happening would almost prove that thought. Again, the media kind of hitting itself on the head again. Um, not being wrong, but playing into his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I mean at, at the end of the day, we we have a situation where uh, the presidency, the House, and the Senate are all controlled by the GOP, um, and whoever is controlling Donald Trump um, can basically do whatever they want. And the scary thought is, what if that is actually because his vice president and now his main advisor are some of the scariest people in terms of what they believe about other humans um, I've ever even thought of that could exist. So you have the the president of Breitbart who has these very specific white majority thoughts, mm-hmm. and and um, Mike Pence, Mike Pence, who believes that you can electrocute people's brains straight, um, which I believe is supported by science, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that obviously makes sense. Yeah, right. Um, who who wanted to? Now I, I believe I have this right. He wanted to allocate funds for AIDS research research in India. And 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 redirect it towards gay conversion therapy as his way to fight the epidemic of HIV/AIDS outbreak. I I am not familiar with the specifics okay. of that. So this I, is I what I've really heard confirm. that makes people think that. Yeah, I, I mean um, it's, that that if you'd like, I I'm, but I'm I, I'm on it. I'm on the eighty five percentile of of pretty sure that's what it is. Well, I know he supported conversion therapy. Yeah. Um. I I don't know the yeah, specifics he, of where that money would have come from and right, stuff like he that. Didn't but that, actually do that. But that was his plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He he also uh he, he also presided over one of the uh, uh one of the worst HIV outbreaks in recent years mm-hmm. uh, because he refused to put into place a uh, needle exchange until the epidemic was so dire mm-hmm. that it forced his hand and right. people died. Right. And they continue to die. And now the scary thought is... HIV is that, isn't one of those things you just get better from. Yeah, no. I, I don't know if you've learned anything in, in elementary <laughs> school when they teach you about it. Um, that's kind of like one of those forever deals. It's one of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
they uh so he surrounded himself quite literally if if there were three people in the room and he was in the middle the two people standing on his left and right were these people that um if you looked at um and brought them to the family dinner they'd be kicked out of the house within 15 minutes it is legitimately and if he has the gop house and um i'm sorry i'm sorry the senate on his side um there's very little that would stand in his way other than a very vocal and forceful electorate standing against it. Yeah, and and what he's what we've seen in the last two weeks and change um, is that uh, there are all the hallmarks of a very hands-off presidency, mm-hmm. which means that these advisor roles mm-hmm. aren't necessarily people who are going to be presenting him with information and then he's going to be making a decision. Mm-hmm. It it feels much more like they're going to present him a solution and that then fight for with. that solution right. and then he'll he'll still have to make a decision as to as to what to do, but it won't necessarily be a here's the problem, here are ways we can solve it. What would you like to do? It's right. here is this the is, is my solution to this particular problem, yes or no. Right. And that black and white uh mentality mm. is terrifying and to be completely fair i actually now that like you said clean slate as he's been elected as far as we're concerned um i've i want him to do well i want him to make very good decisions i would love to be proven wrong in my thoughts it of is what in our happen. best interest to right. be wrong i would love for that to happen um but as uh, to take a phrase that i've seen you use and that i've used in turn is um i have very high hopes for the best but i refuse to not call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing to be cautiously optimistic. It's mm-hmm. another thing to bury your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And there are there are legitimately troubling things that are happening. And, sure. and now, I now on the flip side, um, to present some balance, there have been um, instances like the wall, for example, the economic disaster that mm-hmm. that would be, the fiscal disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention all of the other inherent problems, right. but uh, that he's backed away from that. He's backed away from other policies that, that don't... One, miss- I think he hasn't spoken about, but has been removed from his website, at least as far as I knew. I haven't checked it again since, was um, that he no longer is going to implement the Muslims internment camp idea where we put them <laughs> on a registry and essentially do to them that we did to the Japanese during the Second World War. If we forgot about that, I don't know if people know that we put all the Japanese Americans into a camp much like the Germans did with the Jews during the very same time period, although we just didn't treat them nearly as badly, but still not as good as they should have been. Yeah, that's that's never ended poorly. Yeah, so Um, um, if you want to completely radicalize... I haven't heard that about the registry. My the last I the last I had seen was a handful of days ago that it was, it was still very much a because um, it was pulled from was his website, but was he it? hadn't talked about it. I don't know if it went back up. Maybe they just there was an error on the website and they had to fix oh it. Oh my gosh! I hope they don't. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but I so I hope that was one of those things because let's not even talk about the legitimacy of of just violating human rights. Um, as a citizens, they're citizens. I don't care what you have to say about it. A, a Muslim American is a Muslim American. Um, the the other thought is if the if they, more important word is American. American, exactly. Um, the the more and then the thought that goes with that is if you put that person on a registry, um, and they had always thought of themselves as American, how quickly that would change. 
those those types of policies are exactly what the radicalized um, uh, Islamic extremists are looking for. Right. Uh, Prove that, them right kind of outcome. Yeah, absolutely. They they are um, they are. They're looking for opportunities to radicalize more people. Absolutely. And the more examples of ways that the West are discriminating against Muslims and disrespecting Islam as a re- as a religion, and um, essentially just generalized prejudice, mm-hmm. um, makes it really easy for um, a uh, a guy who is. 18 years old who his parents are dead because they they died in a bombing right. or um or in accidental war or, or, or either whatever too. it doesn't have to be on purpose yeah there are no right. economic opportunities um mm-hmm. you know th- you're, you're talking about people who in many instances are literally starving mm-hmm. um to pick up a gun and fight for Allah right. and it's really easy to get people to make those decisions in their face uh, 24/7 Pointing at what they believe the monster is. Mm-hmm. You want to know who did this? This is who did this. And there's no voice to disprove it. Right. And the, the and the voice that they hear is We're gonna put you on a registry. Right. Yeah. So right. why would they dis why would they disbelieve that? Mm-hmm. Um and that and that's exactly how groups like ISIS and ISIL come to be. This is what causes those groups to form, is because those countries are so war torn. I don't know if you've seen the horrifying videos of the, like these the kids in Syria. Syria is going to be another terrorist cell. It's going to happen just because of how many people have died needlessly on trying to fight the terrorist cell. Like it's going to become a terrorist, in my opinion, a terrorist nation, just because. It's very careless in the act of... Now, we're not a part of that yet, but a part of his uh, Trump's policy is that we join yeah. in doing that. Um, and, you, and he talks about how the Obama administration has founded ISIS by doing things like that. And he would continue in that thought process. If that's what really happened, That's he would be continuing that. Yeah, the, the only... The only... I'll sort of... Um... I'll leave us on this, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The only light in the darkness that I see mm-hmm. uh, in terms of appointments is the very real conversations that are happening um, with uh, Mitt Romney to be Secretary of State. Right. I do not agree with a, a lot, lot of, the, of things. the things that, right. that he's taken positions on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with some others. Um, when you look at when you look at policies that he actually put in place when he was governor of Massachusetts, or running against um, um, President Obama, yeah, um, I, I mean, time. there are you know, is he out of touch with the regular person? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, but he is experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, he does know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't necessarily have the same ideology as I do, mm-hmm. but I believe he has the requisite tools to do the job. There's a, he's the Which dark horse shame. to be the people's champ in this. It is really frightening mm-hmm. that just, we're, we're at a point where it, my car is broken down. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not looking for the most talented mechanic. Uh-huh. I'm looking for a guy with the tools to do the job. Right. That's that's the baseline now. Right. That's the standard that I'm hoping to get to. Uh-huh. And we haven't gotten there on some of these appointments. Sure. And um, we would have, I would have liked to touch on more things, but you know what? It's it's really hard to sum up what has happened in the last year and a half in, in just over two hours. Um so we do. I I would like to, if we continue our our series here on Politic Talk, we uh, I would like to talk about the housing bubble and why that was such an important moment because we're still feeling it today, and creating policy on how things in Wall Street go down. Um, that uh, and I would like to talk on that. So maybe that would be topic number one for next time, next whenever we do this, if it's mm-hmm. next week or 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 month or whatever. Um, I would have liked to touch on that, but we obviously didn't get a chance to. And it just shows you there are a lot of very, like you said, um, intricate details to what's been going on. And it's very important, I think, that beyond this podcast, if this um, enabled you or encouraged you or maybe um, uh, just brought it to your attention that we need, you need to be um, informed one way or another about what's going on, um, I hope just this conversation has established that just even if you didn't agree with a lot of what we had to say, I think that we tried to be fair for the most part. Obviously we're a little biased when it comes to who's running the country. Um, but I, we haven't said anything that's not true. Um, and that's important to me is that if I have, a, a, um, a talking point is that we, we bring it up and, um, it's not convoluted in, um, inaccuracies yeah um and if we didn't know if it was true or not i we encouraged you to find out and don't take our word for it because we didn't know yeah um th- and that's that's a really important takeaway um just that it, if it's possible to find two sources mm-hmm. for something that you feel is important if mm-hmm. Um, if you if, if you are particularly invested in environmental issues, um, I encourage you to not read all of your information from an environment an, an environmentalist blog. Sure. Uh, I also encourage you on the other side to not get your information from a blog that is intended to dispel global warming. I think you need both of those, but a much more conscious excuse me, concentrated, um, source of fact, fact, you need both complete harsh opinions on either side and then build your middle base to formulate your own opinion based upon facts and what other people think, which is important. And the, and I think what we're having is a lot of, a lot of just leaning to one side or the other and not enough of figuring out everything. Well said. Um, Thanks. I, I think we ran just about uh, just about two hours, a little over two hours. All right. So um, that was the first episode. Um, please, we're going to set all the pages up for this stuff. If you'd guys like to hear more or have questions or something that you'd like to hear us specifically talk about, yeah, or from a fact checking perspective, if there if there is something that we've we you know we've touched on or presented an example and and isn't necessarily accurate or you you disagree with, um, I encourage uh, you know, correction. Get a hold, of, yeah. um, Get a hold of us. Ask us the questions, and um, we will have a very um, uh, tried effort on uh, making sure that we present the information in the best way we possibly can. My goal here is not to alienate anybody. Um, 
if you are a a Trump supporter, you think he's going to do great things based upon even what he's done so far. I mean, I welcome that conversation. I would like to hear your viewpoints on what that means to you, because my thought has been that we have a uh, scared on one side and a very rah-rah on the other side. And I would like the rah-rah, and I've said this a number of times, to try to show us why the fear shouldn't be there, not why they're crazy. Um, and I think if we kind of tried to come together as people who acknowledge that we have different opinions, but we would like to meet the same goal here, I think everybody agrees that we would all like to get ahead together. I'd like to be there. Yeah, so um, um, if we haven't accomplished that, I'm sorry. Please let us know, and we'll, we'll adjust accordingly. Um, we'll try better next we'll time. We'll try better. But uh, if you've learned something, I hope you have. That's awesome. And um, uh, keep your eyes peeled for a, uh, another episode of Politalk. Thank you. And bye-bye now.